Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we get started, I want to encourage you... As you're making your travel plans, you have a great opportunity to help support the great detectives of Old Time Radio. Just when you're making your plans, go to johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate, so you get all the benefits of Priceline, including being able to name your own prices on hotels, rental cars, airline tickets, cruises, and even more or choosing from great published specials. Plus, if you go through johnnydollarair.com, part of your purchase goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio. So when you're traveling, remember to check the prices at johnnydollarair.com first. Well, coming up, we will wrap up the Sea Lakes matter, and then uh, be sure and keep on listening as we'll bring you the series Manhunt. And we'll have some details on that in a little bit. But now it's time for part five of The Sea Legs Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Captain Ramirez in Bluefield. Hello, Captain. Thanks for returning my call. Oh, you are now in San Juan del Perro? Yeah. Uh, soon you will know Nicaragua as well. Yeah, listen, Captain, I need your help. Can you get a plane down here for me? The one we brought has been wrecked. Oh, see? And if I were you, I'd come along with it. I see what I... A nice chance to add to your laurels, Captain, by making a couple of arrests. Criminal? Yeah. One of them a killer. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Juan del Perro, Nicaragua, to Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is a final accounting of expenses and report on my investigation of the Sea Legs matter. Expense account item 18, one dollar American. Phone call to Captain Jose Ramirez of the Federal Maritime. I still can't spell it. Call it the Coast Guard. But a lot of things happened before I could make that call. Like the fast plane trip that we made to San Juan del Perro in the hope of finding the yacht, the Sea Legs, despite a big insurance claim based on its alleged loss at sea. Like the fact that our plane was wrecked for us by one Douglas Landfair, despite a big claim based on his alleged death at sea. Like our discovery of the yacht, carefully altered and repainted in an old shipyard. Our discovery of Ramon Gonzalez, a member of the crew who was supposed to have gone down with it. Come on, Mr. Dollar, let's get out of here. Oh, no, Oscar. Not until I revive this Gonzalez character and make him talk. You bucky may have a friend around. Right, right, Oscar. Yeah. Right, and with a gun and save Mr. Dollar's back. Well, well. Connie Lansbury. 
cry, Johnny? Not particularly. Stand still. I won't hesitate to pull this trigger. No, no, I guess you wouldn't. So you found the sea leg. Did it Oscar help you? Oh, then you're familiar with Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro. Ask him the chiseling money grab. Please, please, how can you say such a thing about that? Just oh, stare. shut up, Oscar. Thank you. Nice job you did at disguising the sea legs, Mrs. Lanther. If Oscar hadn't shown you where to find it, my husband and I would have it out sea again. A new clothes under a new Oh, yeah, and... sure. One of the oldest games in the business. And in the meantime, you would have collected $150,000 on its supposed loss, in addition to a quarter million on your husband, Douglas. Why did you have to come along, John? I'm afraid you asked for it when you filed your claims. $400,000. We had to. We were in trouble. Oh, sure, because you spent every nickel you could get your hands on. No. We inherited the estate. I told Douglas. Oh, yeah, sure. To... All his fault. It's true. Well, that ain't the way I heard it. And I don't intend to believe it any more than I believe a couple of things you told me on the plane down here. You don't understand. Nobody has to lie. But remember how you sobbed as you told about the last radio contact with your husband when, as you put it, you could hear the rocks grinding away at the hull and the water pouring in overside as he desperately fought for his Johnny, life. Johnny, please. Well, I heard it a little different from Oscar here. The radio signal was suddenly cut off. That's all. No fancy sound effects, nothing. Oscar? And what rocks, by the way, that smashed the sea legs? I flew out to the Baldero Islands and tried to find them. They were as non-existent as the wreckage that should have washed ashore on the Baldero Current. I'm beginning to see some things, Johnny. The mate or skipper or whatever you want to call him, who was supposed to have been with your husband, had been lost with a boat, Ramon Gonzalez. Well, as you can see, he wasn't quick enough when he attacked us here a minute ago, and I had to get a little rough with him. Johnny! As for your having a gun pointing at my back, stop kidding, Connie. You know more Johnny, about... Johnny, look out! Right. Me. Wait a minute, you... He was going to kill him, Mr. Dollar, but you were too good for him. Well, a lot of help you were. That his knife? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, here. Yeah. I think I'd better have it, Oscar, because... Well... I see Connie Lanter made a hasty exit from the city. She did? Well, what do you know about that? You didn't see her leave? Well, it's so dark in this old shipyard, and I was so worried about you, dear Mr. Dollar. Why, why don't you we should get out? be. Plenty worried. Huh? Look, why don't we get out? I needed only two things when I came down here, Oscar. Proofs, both of them. Why don't we get out of this dreary place, Mr. Dollar, and talk someplace else? Huh? Where there's life. Oh, shut up and listen. I found them both now. Proof that Douglas Landfair never died in the wreck of the sea legs, and proof that the sea legs was never wrecked at all. Except for a couple of details, the case is closed. One of those details is you. Me? Oh, you mean paying me for all the unvaluable help I've been... Oh, how nice. I'll take it in plenty. Oscar, I'm going to lay the cards right on the table. And the money? I'll find it. Now, listen to me. Connie Landfair slipped away during our little ruckus here. But you could have stopped her as easily as you could have stopped this Gonzales character from jumping in. She, she said she had a gun. A bluff. She didn't. But you did. Me? Oh, Mr. Dollar, I was I spotted that bulge under your left arm the minute you appeared in my hotel room that first morning. Well, don't reach for it because I'm carrying one, too. Mr. Dollar, dear, I don't understand. Well, I do now. I've wondered from the beginning just why you insisted on sticking so close to me from the minute I arrived here in Nicaragua. All right. I will tell you the truth, the whole truth, even if it costs me a small, slight percentage of the munificent fees you're going to pay me for the unesteemable assistance I have been giving you. Oscar, you just won't give up with it. 
the money. That's what it is, the money. Like I get from all the Americans who come here to Nicaragua. Only from you it was not for sightseeing, guiding, but for all the help. Like, for instance, the money you've been getting from the landfears? I cannot tell a lie, Mr. Dollar. I did get some money from Mr. and Mrs. Lanthier, you know, for various and sundry services when first they came here, but by not including the use of my radio center. You see, if I hadn't known, they would pay me well for the using of my radio. Your unlicensed radio. My unlicensed radio, because the license cost too much. Why, I would never have been able to know about the act that didn't happen and so skillfully lead you to the Baldara Islands and all the clues that, that I... Yes, well, you know what I mean. What you really mean, Oscar, is that you expected a lot more from them if their crazy plan to collect on the insurance policies worked out. You sure? Because no, no, Mr. Dollar. No, I was only trying to help you. Think, Mr. Dollar, about all the things I've told you about. You were careful not to tell me a single thing that I wouldn't have learned anyway. Oh. Mr. Dollar, you Why did you insist me. right off the bat that we fly to Puerto Gardo, for instance? Why, of course. Apparently to help me for a small pittance, of course. <laughs> but actually, it was to keep me out of the way while Constant Landfear made contact with her husband here in San Juan del Perro. No, please, I, no doubt you I, worked that all out with her before I, you busted in on me that first morning. Then, when we did get to Puerto Gardo, tried to prevent me from spotting the current that would have taken any wreckage from the islands and washed it ashore on the sandbar at Puerto Gardo. If the sea legs had gone down. That, that, that isn't... No, no, no. I, I told you about that strong current that I've been through. Sure you did. But only because you realized at that point that I couldn't help finding out about it anyway. Mr. Dollar, you're making a crook out of Making me. a crook, have you? Well, I have this little item, Oscar. When we started to land our plane and Douglas Lanfer came at us with his car, you know as well as I do that you could have avoided it. Kept us from snapping off our landing gear and crashing. Oh, oh it was nicely done, too. So that you wouldn't get badly hurt, but still be up and around to collect from Lanfear for it. Oh, 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 Mr. Dollar, how can you even implicate such a horrible thing? You, my dearest, my undying Because friend. of your little suggestion along the way that I unfasten my seatbelt and relax, while you, I noticed, kept yours tight. Oh, one thing I... after another. Oh. And finally, of course, armed as you are, you not only let Gonzalez attack me, but you let Connie Lanfear escape as well. And all for money. Money. That's all you've talked about. How did you figure to collect for all this? Uh, it's true. It's true. All my life in every country in the world, I've been... Whatever I have done has been because I love them. But I, I swear it, Mr. Dollar. I would have never let them kill you. Because I do like you, Mr. Dollar. I, I almost... Even with all the money I could get from them, I almost gave it up. Yeah, for whatever you could get from me. Yes. And because you're such a nice man, I, I guess I'm not used to being around nice. Mr. Dollar. Well? Mrs. Glanty. What about her? Don't be too hard on her. It was all his doings. He had such a strong hold over her. The way he treated her, sometimes I almost thought she wished he had gone down in the wreck of the boat. What are you talking about? She's still in it. Because by now she's so far in, she has to stick with him, don't you see? Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose that does make sense. All right, what else? That's all. I have opened up my whole entire heart. <sighs> well, Mr. Dollar... For once in my life, I'm telling the truth. 
I thought maybe I could persuade you to pay me more than they could. Then I could be on your side, on the good side, just for once. But now, I, well, I guess I can only beg for your mercy. One thing you haven't told me, where Douglas Lanfear is. You must know. Or do you? Yes. Well... For maybe enough of a small pittance to get out of this country. Can't get over it, Ken. Well, you haven't much of a choice this time. <laughs> you will help me maybe just a little bit if, if I tell you. We'll see. I, I'm leaving on my hope, Mr. Dollar, so I will tell you. Mr. Lanfieri. Mr. Lanfieri is right here. Uh -huh. And well-armed Oscar, ready to blow your brains out for what you just told this nosy insurance investigator. Don't be careful, please. Mr. Dollar, he, he has a gun. Yeah, I see. So have you, Oscar. Yes. Yes, I have. Careful, Oscar. And if it is the last thing I do, the man who got me into this is going... No, you don't! No, don't, don't! No! 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 So, it was after that I called Captain Ramirez of the Federal Maritimes... Eh, somebody I'll learn that word. And let him take charge. Extradition proceedings for Connie are underway... The U.S. courts will have to take over with her. And Doug Lanfear's body is being shipped to the States. Oscar's body? Well, I left some money with Captain Ramirez for a decent burial. Expense account total? $841.95. Remarks? I wonder what kind of a deal Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro was able to make at the Pearly Gates. Or wherever he was headed. And you know something? I kind of hope it was a pretty... Well, at least I hope it wasn't too bad a deal. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Next week, the promise of romance in the arms of a lovely girl and the threat of a knife in the back. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Heard in our cast were Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, Virginia Gregg, Harley Bear, Don Diamond, and Russell Thorson. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
Welcome back. Well, uh, a very interesting episode conclusion, and many fans waited a very long time to find out uh, what happened, to find out about Oscar's role and really kind of zoom in on the character. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty well done. While we don't know who played which part for sure based on the uh, just listing of characters, I'm betting that Lawrence Dopkin uh, played Oscar, because Dopkin always did very well with those very rich uh, character roles. We've, we've heard him as Archie Goodwin, and later on we'll hear him in the role of uh, Ellery Queen, but uh, those really fantastic character roles are what I remember Dopkin for the most. I will say that I did read on a forum uh, that had the post uh, from when it was uncovered. Someone criticized the ending as anticlimactic. I didn't see it that way. I thought this was a good serial, and I'm glad we've got it in the uh, Johnny Dollar uh, canon. Well, we're going to turn now to another series. This one is called Manhunt. Manhunt was produced by Frederick Ziff. Ziv was the king of first-run syndication programs on radio and television. Ziv was the producer behind such radio series as Boston Blackie, I Was a Communist for the FBI, Freedom USA, Bright Star, and uh, Philo Vance. He also continued it on television. His Ziv Productions produced uh, programs such as a lot of the old radio stars, actually. Boston Blackie uh, TV show, District Attorney TV show, Beat Corliss Archer television show. All were produced by Frederick Ziv, as well as one of my favorite crime dramas, Lockup. And others will remember Highway Patrol. And the uh, most famous television program that... Zib produced was probably I Led Three Lives, that great uh, anti-communist show of the early 50s. First run syndication was really big, and with so many networks buying up or selling spots to prog- to uh, companies like Rexall or Campbell or Johnson's Wax or the Kraft Cheese Company, these syndicated shows allowed local sponsors to uh, be able to enjoy that uh, same advantage of sponsoring a radio show that so many national companies enjoyed. And uh, that was Manhunt. Manhunt was a series of 15-minute programs. And I have to rely on the Digital Deli FTP log information on Manhunt. Um, Manhunt uh, first aired on November 27th of 1943, as best we can tell and continued on for at least 28 weeks. Um, whether there was later provinces of the series, we don't know, but uh, 28 weeks does appear to be the uh, run, minimum run of the series. This first episode originally aired on November the 27th of 1943, and the title is The Accusing Violin. Man, I'm... the story... The accusing violin that led to manhunt. No crime has been committed yet. No murder has been done yet. No manhunt has begun yet. 
God, I think, please, girl, you know what you're asking, positive. In a half hour, I'm to be in my concert downstairs. How, how can I play? Promise you'll meet me right after the concert, and I'll go. Hey, how can I promise that? My wife... Your wife? You mean nothing to her, Michael. You know that, man. I love you, Michael. She doesn't. Please, say that. All right, I'll go. Remember this, Michael. I want you, and I can't have you. Maybe she won't have you very long, either. I've got to cancel the concert. There's one thing I can do. What I thought of before. But this time I'll do it. First piece of paper. Just type it. I, Michael, Allison, for reasons that concern no one, am about to take my own life. Please. Forgive me. There. Now I'm a scientist. There. Michael Allison. And no. No. No, I can't do it. I won't. I'm not a coward. Who's there? Why, it's... That gun. Why are you pointing at me? No. No, don't come near me. No, stop. Please. Oh. Oh. A killer has done his work. A man lies dead. Murdered. The police will say it's suicide when they find the note and the gun that the murderer placed in the dead man's hand. Who is to say it is not suicide? Who will find the one flaw? Who will start the manhunt? Manhunt and the accusing violin. Hi, Pat. Oh, morning, Bill. Where's Drew? I'm back here in the lab. Be right out, Bill. Hey, doesn't he ever leave his laboratory? I'm a cop, too, but I take some time off. Well, once in a while, he quits working to eat, but not often. Come on out, Drew. I got the whole rest of the day off. As soon as I get your report on that violinist suicide last night. Hey, what about it? Okay, Bill, take it easy. Come here. Everything check on that violinist suicide, the Michael Allison test? Technically, yes. There he goes with his technicality. Wait a minute, Drew. Don't get any ideas about the Allison case. It's the most obvious suicide I ever came across. Oh, it's obvious, all right. I admit that. Well, what'd you find, Drew? Nothing we didn't expect. Powder burns indicating the gun was held close to the head. No fingerprints except the dead man's. And the bullet came from the gun we found in his hand. Signature on the suicide note, McCoy? Definitely. He signed it all right. Fine. We found the gun in his right hand, the bullet wound in his right temple. Everything else checks. It's suicide, definitely. Maybe. Maybe, sir. Look, Drew, forget it. I finally got myself a pat suicide case, complete with note to match. And that's all there is to it. The guy killed himself. All right, he killed himself. Why? Why, yes. How do I know? You tell him why, Pat. Oh, I'm tired of trying to tell him anything. Look, you do. It probably was suicide. I don't deny that. But this laboratory of mine contains equipment that can mean life to an innocent man or death to a guilty one. I like to use it, that's all. All right, so you like to use it. But not on this case. Not anymore, that is. Let's have your report. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So long. So long, Bill. Fuck that door, Pat, quickly. All right. Well, why? Hey, Bill! Bill Morton! 
Bring my report back at five tonight and I'll sign it. <laughs> Come on over here, Pat. I've got a hunch. All right, I'm over. What is it? Take a look at this. What do you see? Violin. Huh? That's right. Allison's violin. See anything unusual about it? No. Neither do I. But there is something wrong with it, Pat. I'd bet on it. All right, so there's something wrong with it. But what can that have to do with Allison's suicide? I'm not sure it was suicide. I may be later today, but I'm not now. That's why I stalled Morton until five o'clock. I want to make a couple of calls. Allison's widow and Dorothy Barton. Gallo heard the shot and notified the police. You want me with you? No, not when I go to see Mrs. Allison. I want you to sneak into the homicide department files and get me all the dope on the Barton gal. Then meet me in front of a home. I'll phone you for the address. Oh, I'll do it, dude. If you just tell me what you're driving at. Okay. Pat, there's something about this violin that's wrong. I don't know what it is. Maybe when I come back here, I'll know. It may even be that this violin is proof that Michael Allison was murdered. I'm sorry to bother you like this, Mrs. Allison, but you see, I... I've told everything I had to tell to the police, Mr. Stevens. Well, perhaps this gentleman here... Can... Oh, you don't know Mr. Conroy. He was my husband's manager. Mr. Conroy, Mr. Stevens. How do you do, Mr. Stevens? Oh, Conroy. When did you last see Mr. Allison, Conroy? Why, last night, before he left for the... So what's the meaning of this questioning? Oh, just some private investigating I'm doing, that's all. For the knowledge of the homicide department, I suppose. Well, not exactly. You see, I'm... I see that it might be a good idea if you left here at once. We really have nothing to tell you, Mr. Stevens. Well, let me be the judge of that, hmm? I won't be a minute. I'll say you won't. I'll call them up right now. I really don't see any harm to answering a few questions, then. You've answered enough questions. This man has no right to question. Dickens. Answer questions to the top. Please, headquarters. Oh, I want to talk to Detective Sergeant Morton in homicide, please. Just a minute. We'll find out if we have to answer these questions or not. Morton speaking. Morton, this is John Conroy, the late Michael Allison's manager. I'm with Mrs. Allison at her home. One of your men, Drew Stevens, is here and wants to ask us some questions. He's not one of my men. He's from the police lab. Well, do we have to answer his questions? No, he's got no right to even be there. Let me talk to him. Gladly. Will you take this phone, Mr. Stevens? Okay, give it to me. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill, he says. If he didn't stick me with an unsigned report and kept me here at headquarters for no reason. Listen, Drew. Get out of there and leave those people alone. Allison committed suicide, but I'll commit murder. If you don't come right back down here and sign that report. Okay, I'll be back, Bill. Five o'clock. Got an hour yet, you know. All right, you've got an hour. But get out of there and let those people alone. That's an order, Drew. Go on, beat it. Okay, Bill. Don't get upset. I'm going. I haven't found out anything yet. But it isn't five o'clock yet, either. <laughs> Hi. Been waiting long, Pat? Oh, about ten minutes. Uh, I didn't get your message until a half hour ago. Look where the Barton girl lives? Yes, right here. Oh, come on, we're going in. Maybe nobody's home. Oh, someone's coming. Yes? I'm sorry to interrupt you, Miss Barton. Oh, it's violin, you mean. I was just practicing. I'm Drew Stevens, and this is Patricia O'Connor. We're from the police. The police? But... May we come in? Yes. Yes, of course. Forgive me. Listen. If you'll wait a moment while I put my violin oh, away. Oh, do you mind if I look at it first? Not at all. Thank you. I'll be careful not to drop it. Pretty instrument, don't you think, Pat? Oh, I don't know. They all look alike to me. Look alike, yes. I'm just an amateur. When Michael Allison played, his violin was a living thing. Oh, 
Pat? Pat, I've got it. Got what? The significance of Michael Allison's violin. It's the clue I needed. Well, what kind of a clue could you get from that, that fiddle? This kind of a clue, Pat. Michael Allison couldn't have committed suicide. Not the way we found him. He was murdered. Bill, are all three in the dressing room where we found Allison's body? Yeah. I don't know how you talk me into this, but the three of them are next door. This is Allison, Conroy, and Dorothy Barton. Uh, Pat's with them, too. Drew, if you made a fool of me getting them all out of here... Made a fool of you? I hear of you, Bill. You want a murderer to go free, would you? Hey, murderer go free. All right, everybody, quiet, please. Now, I'm going to try to reenact what happened here last night. Michael Allison was sitting in this chair as I'm sitting in it now. He's despondent about something. About her, his wife, Joyce Allison. She's a something. She broke his heart, ruined his life. All right, Miss Gordon, please. Thanks, Now, Allison sat here and typed out a suicide note. He intended to kill himself. Now, he typed the note like this, finished it, signed it, and then something changed his mind. Maybe, maybe he didn't have time. Maybe it was the opening of the door. Open that door, will you, Pat? Okay. Allison half turned, as I'm doing now, saw someone standing over him with a gun. He stood up, but before he could make another move, he was shot. His body slumped to the floor. The murderer bent down, saw the suicide note, wiped off whatever fingerprints were on the gun, forced it into Allison's lifeless hand, and fled. Well, that's pure conjecture. No one but Allison could have known what happened in this room last night. You're wrong, Mr. Conroy. There was a witness. Allison's violin. What are you talking about, Drew? I'll explain that later. This much I'll tell you now. A new acid I developed in my laboratory showed a second set of fingerprints underneath Allison's on that gun. Your fingerprints, Mrs. Allison. You murdered your husband. Well, I, I didn't. Her. I swear I didn't. I didn't kill him. They were your fingerprints, Mrs. Allison. But I didn't kill him. I tell you. Tell them I didn't kill him, John Gelder. Shut up. I don't know what you're talking about. I won't shut up. I didn't kill him. He did. John Conroy. It was his idea. The insurance. I handed them the gun, but he shot my husband. Bill. <laughs> Okay. You stupid fool. I wouldn't move if I were you, Conroy. Stops you pretty straight. Take them down and book them both, Bill. Charge is murder. Prosecuting witness, violin. Don't give me any of that nonsense about a, a secret acid that brings out hidden fingerprints, Drew. You made that up now, didn't you? Yes, I dropped that up. But it served its purpose, didn't it? Well, what I want to know is what clue Allison's violin gave you. Strings were on backwards. The E string, the highest one, which belonged on the extreme right, was on the left. Oh. The other strings were reversed, too. Well, how did you know the strings were on backwards? I didn't know until I tinkered with Dorothy Barton's violin at her house. Remember, Pat? Yeah, I remember, but what about it? Well, the Barton violin strings were normal because Miss Barton is right-handed. The same token, the Allison violin strings were reversed because Allison was left-handed. I'm beginning to get it now, Drew. I checked and found that Allison was left-handed. Conroy and Mrs. Allison knew it, too, of course, but... In their haste and excitement, they never thought of it. You jumped from a left-handed violin to a murder. I, I don't get it. Simple fact. The gun they killed Allison with, they forced into his right hand to match the bullet hole in his right temple. But Allison was left-handed. If he had killed himself, he'd have held the gun in his left hand. How do you like that? The violin really was a witness, wasn't it? Yes, kind of. You recall what Miss Barton told us about it, don't you? That Allison's violin lived and breathed and talked? Well... It talked his killers right into our hands. 
Welcome back. Well, this is a somewhat uh, average case, but and it mostly makes sense. The one thing I don't get was the uh, law, uh, lawyer trying to frame it as a uh, suicide, as that would kind of go against the insurance angle, which was the whole motive for the crime. But other than that, pretty interesting. Uh, the show stars Larry Haynes, and I'll go into a little bit more about Larry Haynes uh, next week. Uh, that will do it for now. We will be back tomorrow with the lineup. Monday, we start again with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And join us back here next Friday for another episode of Manhunt. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>